Thanks so much for coming back for another episode of the Vanity Podcast. I'm starting the episode kind of different today. No intro music or anything like that because we're going to have a lighthearted conversation about racism in America. It's my neighbor and my friend, Carrie. Carrie, we've been talking and texting back and forth for a while now. It really started with people not understanding the Colin Kaepernick kneeling thing and them saying, oh, it's disrespectful to the flag. People don't realize it has nothing to do about a flag. It doesn't. People still don't get it. They're still saying that, oh, um, these football players are going to start kneeling for protests. Yeah, they're going to kneel. The reason why they're going to kneel is because it's against police brutality. Like the gentleman that just got laid to rest today. This is what it's all about. And they don't understand that it's Kaepernick, and we'll start with that, but Kaepernick's kneeling was to bring awareness to the police brutality and to the fact that as people of color experience racism and like I said, the police brutality aspect of it where it's got nothing to do about the flag or disrespecting Americans or disrespecting troops. I don't know how that got brought into it. And most people don't realize that before he did it, he went to somebody in the military, a former player and asked them what's the best way to do it. And the guy told him, take a knee. His name was Boyer. You could look it up. I don't remember his first name, but his name was Boyer. And he, he mentioned to him the most respectful way to do it is to take a knee. And you know why I'm pissed? Because my dad was in the military. He taught me a lot. And soldiers, be it the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, they fight for our rights. And for Drew Brees to say he doesn't respect anybody who disrespects the flag, that's why people are pissed because they weren't disrespectful. Respecting the flag. I should say this because I guess I should. You're a black man. Yep. But but from my name, you wouldn't know I'm a black man. And you know, Scott, it's funny. I was just thinking the other day. I get interviews, but I don't get past the second to first interview. But why am I getting the first interview? It's my name. It's my first name and last name because they do not know if I'm an African American. I just shared this with you before we started recording. Somebody who I'm a, a casual acquaintance with, who I don't really know, shared a meme today that said, and he's a older, I'd put him 50s, 60s, probably 60s, white guy. It said, they must have run out of white privilege when I was born because I had to work my ass off for everything. And I said, that's not white privilege. It means as, as a non-person of color, you have greater abilities to receive the resources and power than a person of color would. And the fact that they were able to work hard and achieve things and do it without a racial bias, that's part of white privilege. And then one of my other friends had commented and said that they recently read with everything else, somebody with a quote, black sounding name are less likely to get a job than someone with a quote, non-black sounding name. Even though the qualifications or their resume or whatever you want to call it might be identical or really close, that person might be not their first choice just because of that reason. I don't understand why it's that way. I mean, I get that it is and that racism exists. I'm not saying, oh, I don't understand why racism exi exists. Oh, I, I should say I don't understand why it, why it exists because what's the difference between us? Have you, have you heard of the Blue-Eyed, Brown-Eyed Project? I've not. Write that down, too. You need to look at that video. Okay. It was a 
white experiment by a white teacher. I don't remember if it was Wisconsin, wherever she was. It's really interesting. It's, it's rather long, but you got to check it out. Jane Elliott. Jane Elliott. Blue Eye, Brown Eye Project. Jane Elliott. I saw on The Daily Show last night, I think it was The Daily Show, that books on systemic racism are now topping the bestseller list. Yeah, I saw it the other day, yeah. And I'm reading, I'm reading one right now, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. That was one of the ones I saw, and there was three or four that were, I think it was The Daily Show, and I really enjoy like Trevor Noah and John Oliver on Last Week Tonight. I feel like I get better news coverage from the quote-unquote comedy shows than I do from the real news because they're just kind of saying what I'm thinking, whereas this is fucked up, and the news isn't going to say that to me, but these shows can. This past weekend, I went to D.C. on Saturday, and I was almost in tears because there was more white people than blacks, but they were very nice. I used to work in D.C., Scott, and the stop that I got off from at was my stop where I used to get off for work. But I had to do a long walk. And the first time going to the protest, I didn't know where the hell I was going. So I stopped and asked the guy, white guy. He stopped what he was doing. He helped me. And when I was going home, I was like, oh, Lord, where am I at? I asked another guy. He pulled out his phone and he helped me, you know, like. I don't experience that much. And it was, it was just, it was just enlightening. I love that. Is that something you're not used to or typically haven't been used to? Not used to it. Um, I mean, the guy didn't give me any kind of stare or anything like that. Growing up and even recently, not just at when you were younger, twenties, thirties up till now, is that something you almost were used to? Yeah. They give you dirty looks. Um, as you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, Middle-class family, my mother was a teacher, my father worked for transit department. We moved from one neighbor to the other. The other neighborhood was pretty good, but the school system wasn't that great. So my parents bust me and my sister to a predominantly white neighborhood. I'm talking about all white. And the shit that I saw when I was in the sixth through the Eighth grade, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. I mean, I was chased after basketball practice one time, and if it wasn't for my friend, I wouldn't be here talking to you now. I'm talking about a mob of white guys with bats, chains. I'm talking about a throng of them, and just imagine a 12-year-old running for his life. I mean, I stopped and said, Craig, I can't make it. And he grabbed me by my shoulder and said, yeah, you're going to make it. So we had to run home. Later on in life, when I was working at Pathmark, when I was like a junior in high school, me and my buddies were walking from the store to the bus stop. Again, nigga this, nigga that, chasing us. And, you know, I'm not a violent person, but, you know, it, it can do something to you. It could, it could, really, it could really make you hardened against one race like me it didn't bother me but my sister it did something to her you know it could make you hate somebody by just being called a name and like my thing is i was asking somebody a friend the other day why why do white people hate black people like why do they call them a nigger like what is it that they fear about us i don't understand it like 
me and you get along. We're white and black. I, I, I would never call you a name out, out of, you know, a bad name, and you don't never call me a nigga. What is it? Why do white people, why do they fear us? Like, what is it? What, what is it that they fear about us that they have to call us a name like that? That they would try to beat me up? Why would you try to beat me up? I never did anything to you. I wish I knew the answer to that. I wish I could tell you, oh, it's because this, but because I've never been wired to think that way. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what it even could be. Like, I, and even if, okay. Is, like, it, is it taught? Is it taught by their parents? I think so. And I think it has to be generational because my family and my parents and my my grandparents too, I mean, they never, my, my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side, I was around a lot because they were, lived in Baltimore. The ones on my dad's side lived in Florida, so I didn't really see them very much. But the ones I saw on my mom's side, saw them all the time, and they grew up in Baltimore. My grandfather was born in 1919, and my grandmother was born in 1920, I can't remember the year. But they grew up through through the 60s and the 50s, like when that the, the racism was really not that it's good now but when it was really really prevalent like where you couldn't use the same you know restroom or water fountain or that sort of thing and i never got the indication from them that they were okay with that i guess it was just normal back then and nobody really thought about it but i don't think they were like oh no there's a there's a black man we can't you know we can't associate with them and i never got that from my parents either and that's how I am. Like, even if, if you and I got in an argument about whatever, I would never drop an N word as an insult. I just don't get it. Like, I don't see how that is used, you know, or why it's used. So with racism now, present day, do you think it is worse than it was the eight years of Obama? Do I think it's worse now? Yes. And I'll tell you why, because <laughs> I think it's always been there, but the stuff and the stuff that's said and thought and actions might have been in the dark before, but now this current leadership has normalized that kind of behavior to the fact where they, those types of people who think and feel that way, it's now, quote unquote, okay for them to bring it out into the light. Those people with their Confederate flags and their racial speak, I feel like they think they're the person they look up to that's in power in the country kind of embodies that from my perspective. So check this out. You said Confederate flag, right? Mm -hmm. I got two stories for you. One very close to home, you know, one house that's right up the hill. This guy had a, a Confederate flag posted on his house. It's not there now, but it surely was there before because me and Yolanda saw it and we showed it to Yolanda's father. I was like, get the fuck out of here. So check this out. Here's, here's something really funny. One time me and Yolanda went to her friend's house, I think it was in Delaware, and we took the back roads instead of taking 95. We took like the no toll road. Scott, we went through Pennsylvania. We were going to a friend's house. We saw houses with... Confederate flag. I said to Yolanda, I said, I'm not coming back home this way at night. And, pe and you know, people don't understand. They say, oh, well, it's, it's not racism. Yeah, but it's, it, it makes black people feel 
insecure. Like, why are you thinking Richmond, Virginia now, they taking down all those statues and stuff like that of the Confederate soldiers? Because Confederates, they believed in slavery. And I think that the statues coming down is happening in lots of places in the South now, which... It's coming down overseas, too. I saw one place in Europe, I think it was London, that they were taking down a statue of a slave trade or something like that. I also saw, um, I think it was also The Daily Show, where there's people marching in solidarity against, like, the police brutality and the systemic racism in Germany, in England. And it's it's not just, yeah, it's not just a United States thing now. It's a global thing where them people are recognizing that this is fucked up. I asked Yolanda the other day, do you think racism will always be here? And... Her caveat was, you know, Carrie, this younger generation, they really don't believe in that racism stuff. They believe that people are people. And she said, maybe that's why when I was marching Saturday, you saw a whole bunch of white folk next to you because they don't believe in it. They don't, you know, like right now, there's a lot of interracial couples. And that too may be why there's a lot of marching because I witnessed, I was part of History Saturday by marching. You know, I could have stayed my butt home and was like, I don't feel like going. It's like 86 degrees out there, but I went. And I don't have any kids, but I did it for my little cousins, my nieces and nephews, because I do not want them to experience what I experience in life. I do not want somebody calling them a nigger. I don't want somebody in an elevator looking at you funny because of your color of your skin. You know, one time recently, well, a couple of years ago, I went to my office and I held the door for this guy. And he didn't say thank you. So I said, okay, I'll fix his ass. When I got in the elevator, I, I said loudly, you're welcome. I said it like three times. The fourth time he looked at me like, why you keep saying you're welcome? I said, because I held the elevator for you. You didn't say anything. Oh, my mind was somewhere else. No, your mind wasn't nowhere else. It's a, it's a misconception that people have of black people just because of the color of my skin. My wife's an RN. Black people, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're professional basketball players, baseball players, football players, but some white people, all they see is the color of their skin. That's all they see. It's a damn shame because my mother was a teacher. My uncle who's living now, he was a teacher. I had an uncle who passed away, he was a professor. Some black people are smart, some aren't, but some of them have stuff up here. So it's just a, it's just a shame. Like I want people to recognize who I am, who, who I have inside my heart, not because of the color of my skin. At the the march in D.C. over the weekend, I guess were you pleasantly surprised to see the amount of white people marching? I, I was I was shocked. I was shocked. They were very nice. I mean, um, we left from the Lincoln Memorial. Um, they had a, uh, somebody out there giving away free stuff like water and packets and masks. And they, I mean, they were giving away stuff free. I was like, wow. And everybody that you were walking next to, they were all for the same cause. They were nice. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It's taken too long to get to that point, but maybe, and I say this with cautious optimism, maybe the amount of people have 
have reached a breaking point because now everybody's got a phone. Like you have, you have the ability to record anything that's happening around you where even 15 years ago, that wasn't so common. Or if you did, it was with like a crappy camera phone. You couldn't really see what it was. Thank God for that girl that taped um, the gentleman that got murdered. Thank God for her because if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be talking about this now. Another black man that got killed. When you were saying, you know, do you think racism will always be there and the younger generation is more accepting of a wide variety of people, I think, as well. Not just from a racial standpoint, but I feel like the inclusion of so many different types of people, and I'm not trying to compare one to the other, but so many younger people are more accepting of the LGBTQ community and different races and different ethnic backgrounds and religions, I feel like if we're headed in that direction, that's good for everybody. I think um, racism is taught. I think parents teach their kids, like, because how would, how would a kid know how to use the word nigger? How would they know? Or know that they should, and I'm saying should because if it's taught, not like a person because they're black. Like, you don't learn that on your own. You learn that you know, that's instilled in you from somewhere. When I was in junior high school, I was in class. I'll never forget, this guy was behind me. <laughs> and he called me a nigger in class. And I lost it. I beat the shit out of him. And my mother had to come to school. So we went to the principal's office. And the principal was talking to my mother. And my mother said, Kerry didn't do anything wrong. He defended himself. And I didn't get in trouble. I didn't get suspended or anything. And I didn't. I didn't do anything wrong. He called me a nigger. And I just lost it. I beat I beat the shit out of him. How old were you? Sixth or seventh grade. You know, I was young. But the stuff I've seen in my youth, I wouldn't want that to happen to anybody. Like, me and my sister used to ride the bus home together. And there was race riots. They used to chase us on the bus. And remember my sister, she had a friend. She was screaming out the window and they threw a dirt bomb through the window, right in her mouth, all blood coming all over the place. I mean, they they was out to try to kill us. I, I'm, I'm surprised I, I survived. I mean, I could tell you horror stories about what I encountered in junior high school. Now, high school was different because I went to a, a mixed high school in Brooklyn, but junior uh, grade school, like second or third grade up until eighth grade, I was bused to school. And people would just th throw things or say things. They would call you nigga. They would wait for you after school and they would chase you. And it, and it could change a person. Like my sister, it made her one way towards one race. Sure. Me, me, you know, I, I get along with anybody, but you know, you, you, you could, you could smell, you could, I know who a bigot is. It's, it's just it's just funny. It's just it's just weird that and my 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 Yolanda, my wife, one time asked my mother when she was alive. She said, "Why would you do that to Carrie and Karen? Like, why would you bust into a school in an all white neighborhood?" And my mother was a teacher. She said, "You know, for them to get a better education." I think that people now who are saying defund the police don't. 
The people who are protesting that, I don't think understand exactly what it means. It doesn't mean there will be no police. It means that they'll be allocating that money instead of investing it in the police department. They're investing it in the communities and the neighborhoods where policing is occurring at a higher rate, meaning they're going to invest it in mental health services, education, that sort of thing. So I feel like that's going to, if that ends up happening, that's going to help out those communities too. And hopefully these sort of things where the police brutality towards people of color will significantly be reduced. That's, I'm hoping the plan and that's why they're calling for defund the police. I've seen so many people comment on that. Oh, well, who are you going to call if your house gets, you know, broken into? Well, yeah, you're going to call the cops, but you're not going to you're not going to call the police for, you know, if there's somebody with a mental health thing or if there's a an issue in a school, like it's going to be taken care of in different ways because they'll have the the financials to do it. And I feel like the education thing like the system has been designed to keep certain individuals down. That's just how the system was designed so ever many years ago. And that's the reform that's needed so people can better themselves that want to. So you can get the education and get the, you know, the support that you need instead of being pepper sprayed because you're marching for wanting those rights. It's not people marching for more rights. They're marching to be equal. It's it's marching and protesting. And by the way, people were upset. Kaepernick shouldn't kneel. He shouldn't protest that way. And then we've got people marching in the streets. Well, they shouldn't protest that. How the fuck would you like somebody to protest then? You don't like it when somebody does it silently and kneels, and you don't like it when they're loud in the streets. Well, then how would you like someone to protest? Why? Let me ask you a question. You're not, but why? Why do white people fear fear black people? What is it about them? Is it the color of my skin? I don't know. Like I, I, yeah, I'm like struggling to come up with an answer, an honest answer for you, because I don't know what it would be other than based off of the social construct of oh well, black people are criminals, and they we see that on TV, and the police are arresting so many of these black people, and that's why we should be afraid because they instantly associate that with you're going to get robbed or stabbed or shot or something. And I don't believe that. Like, I don't like I'll go downtown or I'll go wherever. And I, I just, I just go and do. And there's so many people who don't want to go downtown or I'm not going to go to a baseball game because you know, it's downtown. So what? I don't understand that school of thought. So do you think racism is going to always be here? I think in some form it will. But like you mentioned before, the younger generation, I think, is becoming, they're fighting the older way of thinking across the mm-hmm. board. The younger generation, I don't know anyone personally, maybe many people, I don't know many people under, say, 30 who support the way things are being run in this country right now. I feel like the majority of the people want everyone to be on equal footing. And I'm hoping that that's the way I don't have kids either, but if I did, I have a, I have niece, I have a niece and I hope that the world we leave for her and her generation and the generations after her 
they're reading about this the kind of way me and my friends in school read about slavery. Like, how did this fucking happen? How did this happen in this country? So I'm hoping people look back at what's happening now, 30, 40, 50 years from now and go, how did we, how did we get to that point? Like, how did that happen? You, you know, it's, it's funny that Mr. Floyd is the impetus what's going on now, but there's so many African-Americans that get killed. I mean, you have the guy, what is his name? Um, Philando Castillo. And he didn't, I mean, he had a gun, but it was a licensed gun. You know, they got him. I mean, he was forthcoming about it. He said, I have this, you know, I'm, and then they asked him to get his uh, like identification and then Mm -hmm. shot him when he went to do it because they thought he was reaching for the gun. So you can't like, you can't have it both ways. The, the the police are too powerful. That's my thing. You know, they they they're ready to you know pull the gun. You could de-escalate things without a gun. I mean, it's it's just it's just it's just sad. It's just real sad. I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I've had my share of instances against other people. You know, violence. You know, violence. It, Violence only begets more violence. I mean, there's ways that you could de-escalate things. I mean, Martin Luther King was nonviolent, his ways. I mean, um, the end of August, I'm taking off of work on a Friday because they're going to have a march. And when he had, when um, Martin Luther King had his first march in 60, whatever it was, 60... 1963, so I was almost a year old. When he had the I Have a Dream march, I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was old enough. And, you know, he was a nonviolent person. He got killed, but he was nonviolent. You know, I'm nonviolent, too. I don't, I, I'm, I'm one person of not many that, I don't believe that uh, you should own a gun. I, I believe cops should own a gun, but I don't believe citizens should. I mean... Some people say, well, yeah, I go for sport. I mean, you know, we have a shooting range right right over there. And the thing is loud as hell. I can hear, I don't want to hear that shit all the time. It wakes me up in the morning on the weekend sometimes because they're out there yeah. 7, 8 a.m. And what are, they, what are they shooting at? A target for what? What are you shooting at a target for? I mean, I'm not saying nobody should have guns, but police should have guns. But you see, you see Baltimore City. You, you see that's okay corral, all those guns that, that you know, other people that not policemen to have guns. You see, you see, that's like murder capital of the world. I feel like, like you were saying, growing up and being, having stuff thrown at you or being called names and the Mm -hmm. violence kind of coming towards you for no reason other than the color of your skin. I can understand why someone would learn to dislike or hate or be afraid of a white person from that because for somebody treating you that way or not just you, but like the collective you that way, that's kind of teaching you like, why are these, these people hate me for no reason other than what I look like. So in turn, why would I want anything to do with them? I can't say I fault that thinking from a black person who would say these white people are just, they hate me for what I look like. So why should I, why should I want to try? to associate or be friends with or talk to them, especially. But, 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 the, but see what me and you are friends. We've always been friends since the day I met you. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with the color of skin. It has a lot to do with music, talk, cars, sports, sports. 
even though you're a Yankee fan. <laughs> yeah, even though I'm a Yankee fan. I mean, shit, I, I trust you because you do a lot of favors for me when I go out of town. So it's, 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 it's the heart. It don't have nothing to do with the color of your skin. It's the heart. You can tell somebody's heart by just talking to them. You were cool since the first time I met you. You know what? I don't even remember the first time that we did meet. It was probably walking our dogs at the time or something like that. Like, I don't really remember, but this you guys were already here when we moved in. And uh, yeah, like we've been here. It'll be the end of this year will be nine years. So I've known you that long. And yeah, like there was never a, oh, don't walk down. That's the that's the black house. Don't go down there. Don't go near that. I never thought about that. And did you, let me ask you this, when you moved into this neighborhood, this neighborhood is predominantly a white neighborhood. There's a family on the other side, the other street, like one over from us, that's a black family. But when you moved into this neighborhood, did you feel any sort of like people like, oh, no. good. I, I don't have any problems on this block. Everybody pitches in to help. I mean, when one time we had a really, really, really bad snowstorm mm-hmm. and, um, the guy that used to live on the top of the hill, his name was Mike, the lieutenant, you know, he used to work at the Baltimore County Police Department. We all chipped in and shoveled and, no, I don't feel that way. I've never had a problem on this block. I'm glad that it was that way, that, you know, there wasn't any, you know, side eye from anyone. Like there was a house for sale kind of near yours not that long ago. There was a family walking down the street that had just come out of the house. It was a black family, mm-hmm. probably maybe a, my age or younger. It was three kids, husband and wife, and um, w- my wife and I were walking our dog again. We just started talking, and we're like, do you guys like the house? I mean, they were talking to us like we had been old friends. I don't know if they were surprised that we just kind of struck up a conversation with them because they didn't speak to us first, which is totally fine. Like, But we just, hey, do you guys like the house? Because we just wanted to get a feel for anybody who's moving in. I don't care if you're black, white, pink, unicorn. Like, I don't care what you are. As long as you're cool... Cool. Welcome Mm -hmm. to the neighborhood. I just, I hope that, you know, I'm not young, but I'm not old either. I'm 39. And I hope Mm -hmm. most of the people, I think all of my friends, like my real friends, not Facebook fringe friends, but real friends, nobody that, and I wouldn't be my friend if they were like, oh man, black people, you know, like I just wouldn't, I don't want to associate with them. And Mm -hmm. I, I saw like a statistic that a these these protests with the police assaulting people with the right to assemble like you have that it's called the right to assemble but i saw a statistic from the new york times from the third the third of this month it said force against black people in minneapolis is seven times the rate of that against white people that's part of the problem the fact that the police are using excessive force at the at a rate of seven times more that of somebody who's white that's why i wanted what was it the phrase about the police department they want to defund defund that yeah they want to defund it i think in minneapolis and so many people like i got into an argument with an old white lady on facebook we were talking about black lives matter in that phrase and she busted out the old all lives matter. And I said, I see what you're trying to say, but what you don't understand is the all lives matter phrase can't apply until the black lives matter 
phrase does apply. You mm -hmm. there, and she's like, well, no. If people were understanding, it would be all. I'm like, no, you you do, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. The Black Lives Matter. It's about representing people who are oppressed, who are brutality against against them and she's like well that's why it should be all lives i'm like you and this went on forever and it just and she she never conceded to the fact that do you not see what i'm saying like you can adjust you can have a malleable opinion you can change your mind and learn and educate yourself but when people just cross their arms and dig their heels in that's what's not going to change anything do you notice on um Facebook, a lot of people been losing their jobs because they've said bigoted things on Facebook and thinking that nobody's going to catch them and they get caught. They, like they say, like um, some really bad stuff, like using the word, the N word and stuff like that. I, I've been I've been seeing it on Facebook. I'm like, why would you be stupid enough to put that on Facebook? Because they don't think it's wrong or they don't think there's, there's anything wrong with it. And, you know, they're going to learn the heart and they cite Oh, I got freedom of speech. You do. You can say anything you want, but freedom of mm -hmm. speech does not equal freedom of consequence. People think that just because they post or say something like you could post whatever you want. You can post, mm -hmm. you know, I hope, you know, I'm not even going to make something up because I don't want to go down mm -hmm. that road. But if somebody posted the most hateful, mean thing about black people or Asians or uh, gay people or whatever, and your company fires you, they can do that. Like you have the freedom to say and post whatever you want, but it doesn't mean mm -hmm. your company, your company can say, all right, well, we don't want you representing us that way. You're gone. So let me ask you this before we wrap up. Do you think the NFL's apology now is too little too late? What, what happened? Yeah. It's late. It's too late. They, they did not listen to the message the way it was presented. Like I told you, he took a knee, but there's nothing wrong with taking a knee. They, this, all this violence that has happened over the last few years, it could have been prevented if they would have just listened to him. He's saying that systemic racism exists in this country. People of brown skin are being murdered just because of their skin color. Colin Kaepernick was saying, you know, why don't y'all look at the problem? People being pulled over, cop, road cops, just, you know, beating up or killing people. He was just trying to make a stand and they didn't listen to him. And they made him a, I won't say a, a martyr. They made him a scapegoat that, you know, he was the problem. He wasn't the problem. He was trying to shine light on just because somebody's skin color is dark doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Do you think he'd be in the league now if he would not have knelt? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be in the league. He'd be in the league. They they know they made a mistake. They made a mistake. People were saying, oh, his skills eroded. His skills didn't erode. It, it wasn't that. The dude was good. He took a team to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And they, they, just, they just dumped him. They got rid of him because he spoke up. I would rather speak up and lose my job, too, if I saw injustice that was going on. I would do the same thing. You know, he, he, he's, he's in a good place. I, I don't, I, I think he, if he had to do it all over again, he would do the same thing. People of color in this country um, are murdered disproportionately than Caucasians. I hate to say it, but it's true. And 
for doing nothing but driving in the car. Why you had to kill the man um, Floyd? He, he didn't have no gun or anything like that. Why he had to step on his neck like that? They said he was allegedly passing a counterfeit $20 bill. From the video I saw, did not show that he was resisting arrest in he any way. He wasn't resisting. The guy had his, his knee on his neck. How, how would you do? You wouldn't be able to breathe, Scott. Somebody did that to you. What you said about being attacked or assaulted, I there's another stat I saw uh, from May of this year. It said a black American is two and a half times more likely to be killed by a police officer than than a white guy. It's true. Two and a half times. And one in 1,000, this is a stat from August of last year, so I don't know how if it's still accurate. One in 1,000, one out of 1,000 black men should be expected to be killed by police. That's a statistic I actually saw from a news organization. That's yeah. fucking crazy. And it yeah. shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. Well, I thank you for the time and for sharing experiences. I hope sincerely that somebody who's listening to this might finally see the other side and understand why this stuff is happening in the country now, albeit too, not too late that it's happening, but it took too long to get to this point. Yeah. Hopefully it does bring in some sort of positive change for people of color and for to stop the, the, the brutality and stop the violence and that we do see some sort of change in our lifetime and uh, it leaves something positive for the next generation. I thank you for having me.